0: Good morning, this is Dr. Andrew Dyer joining you live in studio today for Take Two Healthcare, your guide to better living. For the next hour to uh, share with you some thoughts, opinions, articles from recent headlines on nutritional care. Uh, I am a doctor of chiropractic. I also have a couple of other advanced degrees, one in chiropractic acupuncture and another in clinical nutrition, and I am your expert, expert for the hour. Uh, I work in, at the uh, Take-Two Healthcare Center uh, with Dr. Van and Dr. Nally Yaley, and myself. Uh, we are the three docs at our clinic, and we are seeing patients Monday through Friday uh, throughout the rest of this year, and then starting again in 2023. It's amazing to think that this is actually my last chance to join you for this calendar year, 2022. It seems like it's gone by in a flash. And I know it gets quicker and quicker every year for those of you that are in this working world that we, uh, we are a part of together and those that are maybe now retired and focusing on their health. Uh, glad you tuned in today because I have a couple of uh, interesting articles to share, some thoughts, some opinions, some strategies. Uh, but first, a little confusion to start things off. Confusion's always good because out of confusion comes the need for further research, further reading, further reflection. So here we go. This is a post that my wife sent me uh, on Instagram, and, and here it is. Eat five small meals per day and run. Also, eat only breakfast and dinner and walk. Also, eat lots of protein and lift, and don't even do any cardio. It's bad for your joints. Also, don't eat too much protein and make sure you're sleeping a lot. But don't be sedentary. But don't be too active. It's bad for your blood pressure. Make sure you replace all your lost salt, but never eat too much sodium. It's easy. Just eat vegetables. Don't eat potatoes, though, or corn. Fruit is obviously good for you, and also it's all sugar and is bad for you. Sugar, I forgot to mention, is a vital source of quick-burning carbohydrates that your brain needs to survive, and you should avoid it at all costs. Protein is hurting your kidneys. Make sure you eat a lot of it. Drink water. Never starve yourself unless you're calling it quote unquote intermittent fasting. And then it's okay to starve yourself a little bit. Don't overhydrate. Being vegan is obviously the healthiest lifestyle and also, no it's not. Fish is obviously super good for you and it's full of mercury and killing you. But some sun, excuse me, get some sun every day for vitamin D and skin cancer. How about that for a little confusion? We hear it every week, every month, every time we open a magazine or even some of these trade journals that I read articles from. The thoughts and opinions, even of the experts, conflict. And we've seen this over the last two or three years as we've battled through all of our COVID times. Even the experts that were paid to know about COVID didn't always know the answer. And more time and more research and more thought and more reflection and more studies came to give us a little bit better understanding of things. I think we still only have kind of scratched the surface on that. And today's show is not about that topic, but just we can't help but reflect over the last few years and think of that because it's changed all of our lives in some ways. And so even the basic principles of nutrition that we were trained on in school when we were in grades two, three, four, we, we learn about the food pyramid. And because of some of the structure and training there, there's a high emphasis on eating a lot of grains and taking in a lot of dairy products. And then if you listen to myself or Dr. Merkel here on the radio, we talk about don't eat that many grains, don't eat that many dairy products because it's harmful for the gut, it's bad for the brain, it's hard for sugar handling. So it really comes back down to the, the, the reason I started with this little bit confusing post was to kind of just open your brain a little bit to the idea that not one set of recommendations will fit for every person. Because we're all different. We're all composed differently. We have different metabolic burning rates. We have different thyroid functions. We have different sugar handling capacity. We have different thresholds for protein digestion. We have different immune systems that function sometimes well, sometimes not so well. And so the only way to really get to the bottom of what you might need for you is to not read it in a book or even to listen to me on the radio and and decide, oh, we know enough now about you. We can give you all these recommendations and you'll go on just fine. It's really come back and test each individual person. And the reason that's uh, a big, big part of our practice is we have no vested interest in the outcome of the test. Okay. It's a little bit different in some of the uh, clinics that do do different techniques and and, and have some different strategies that assess people's nutritional status when they're not using a third-party laboratory to analyze the results. It's the examiner that has a large outcome in the way the results are received or put down on paper or even done during during an examination. If we send you to a third-party lab, we have no way to control what your results will look like. And that's a beautiful thing. In medical practice, uh, clinical nutrition practice, whatever you want to call it, it's a beautiful beautiful thing as the examiner to not have any vested interest in the outcome. Now, do I have an interest in analyzing the results properly? Of course. That is my job. That's what I've been doing for 18 years here in the Miami Valley. And it's a it's a wonderful task each day to sit down and look at these huge test results and I say huge because we get to see so many different data points on every person that we treat if we if we send them out for lab testing. And that helps us cut through the guesswork. It, uh, As Dr. Merkel talks about a lot, it eliminates our need for a crystal ball because we can't foretell the future. But if we get some hardcore data points in front of us, then we can make some predictions on, well, if we treated like this, X, Y, Z, used you know, vitamin E, CoQ10, vitamin C. I'm I'm just naming a few things that we might use, not knowing what the test results look like. Those are the strategies we put in place to help change a person's internal health and internal body function. And uh, uh, certainly a lot of times we're treating things that are common in chiropractic practice, musculoskeletal pain, uh, work a lot with osteoporosis patients, diabetic patients. We work a lot with cancer patients. Um, and, and again, maybe not treating and certainly not treating their cancer, but helping their bodies get healthier. And so if you've never heard us here on the radio before, we want to welcome you in for the first time. Uh, hopefully we'll make a good enough impression on you today that you'll come back again on a future Saturday, but we are here every Saturday from 11 to noon, sharing with you our thoughts, opinions, and, uh, again, headlines from the nutritional industry on how to be healthier, Our show is called Take-Two Healthcare, Your Guide to Better Living. And really that title is so fantastic in that it it takes us down a line of thinking that we employ with each patient to say, okay, how can we take them from position A to position Z um, several months, years, decades down the road to get a better result than what they've had before? Because let's face it, a lot of times these patients end up in our office when they've exhausted all other possibilities. They've gone to Cleveland Clinic or the Mayo Clinic or some of the big hospitals here in our, in our city in Dayton, uh, and then they don't have either an answer that they like Or a treatment plan that they like. And now they want to come in and see what we can do to help them. And it's an awesome mission to be on every week. um, Because we get to work with people that, one, have a huge desire to get better. Most of the time. And two, they're already willing to make that investment in their health so that not only can they be healthy now, but they can hopefully regain that health and maintain that health for many decades going forward. Depending upon what time in their life we get together, if we start working with someone when they're 35, 40 years old, we might well be able to get them on the right track and keep them there for several decades. I, I've been in practice, like I said, for 18 years, and I still see some of those patients from my very first year in practice, not because I need them to come in, but because they want to continue on with the, the healthy goals that we've set out for them to maintain and reach. And it's, it's not like I see some of those patients from 18 years ago every single week or every single month. A lot of them now, if they're part of our clinical nutrition practice, they come in about once a year and they get their blood tests and hair tests, maybe some urinary challenge uh, work that we do as well. And then that becomes their yearly annual checkup to, set, to answer the question, how are we doing? And, and the question is big for them to look at how are they doing. But it's also a way for me to assess, do I have them on all the right things? Because certainly over time, their needs change. And what we put them on 18 years ago is certainly not what we still have them on now. There may be some elements of it that have carried through all that time, some basic supportive nutrients, maybe multiple vitamin and multiple mineral, but certainly every single time we get testing back on a patient, we're going to change the plan that they're on based on what the test results are showing us. And again, I think it comes back to that, that awesome responsibility we have to Make sure that we cover all their bases without giving them anything extra, anything over the top that is not necessary, and that is where the testing really, really, truly comes in handy. Well, it's not all about testing today, um, but there are several functions and and things that we want to talk about going forward, and I know we're creeping up on our first break. We're not there yet, but we're getting close. And yes, the phone number to call if you have questions or you want to get on air with me today uh, to ask about nutrition chiropractic acupuncture anything we do in our office the phone number to call at the station is area code 937-457-1290 that is the phone number that we can take your call at and uh, and put you out on the air with me and and even if you don't want to go on the air if you want to call and and talk to our lovely producer angel she will take a message for me she'll she'll grab your info and just we can talk about your topic but when we come back on the other side of the break my plan is to talk to you about osteoporosis. So, we're going to do that first. Uh, it's a very, very important topic. While it might not be thoroughly academically stimulating for everybody, it's a super important topic, and we're going to make it as exciting as we can. Uh, but, we're going to take a break here. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290 WHIO.
1: It's our Ask the Expert Weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 957 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert Weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95-7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk.
0: Hey and we are back. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer again joining you live this morning. Change of plans. We cannot talk about osteoporosis right now. The phone lines blew up at the break, and we've got too many topics to cover. If we get time at the end, we'll come back to osteoporosis. Um, But I did take a call uh, during the break from a nice lady that did not want to come on the air, and that's okay. She had a question for me about gout. And gout is something we probably don't spend enough time talking about on this program, but we could because it's a great topic, and we can handle it wonderfully. Now, she told me this uh, in our brief chat. She's been dealing with gout for a couple of weeks. Her doctor put her on allopurinol first at 100 milligrams per day. That didn't seem to take care of the problem, so they upped her dosage to 200 milligrams per day. She said she had COVID back in September, and her doctor at that time recommended she take some additional vitamin A. Now, I didn't have enough time during this call to ask her a more thorough question on that topic, but... If I were in charge of giving her that recommendation for vitamin A intake, what I would have wanted to make sure of is that we use the form called beta carotene. The reason that becomes so important is... Thank you. um, the, The use of beta carotene is one that is gentler on the entire system. Now, vitamin A is a great nutrient, and we usually give it in the form of beta carotene because a healthy liver... Even a not so healthy liver can do a pretty decent job of converting that beta carotene into the usable form of vitamin A, retinol or retinoic acid. Now, if we give straight vitamin A to someone, sometimes there becomes or develops a toxicity there. And that can happen. It's a, it's a water. Or excuse me. It's a fat-soluble nutrient: A, D, E, and K, or the four fat-soluble vitamins. So, if we give too much vitamin A in its raw form, it can create toxicities. Now, I'm not saying that that's exactly what happened in this case, but it could have been. It really could have been what uh, what the trouble was. And so, to give her an alternative option. I suggested she go out and get some pantothenic acid. Now, we carry this in our office. Uh, you can find it at the health food store in your area too. But pantothenic acid is the nutrient dosage uh, or is the nutrient name. It's vitamin B5. Uh, typically, ours come in, again, 100 milligram. Oh, actually, that might, that might be a dosage that's higher. Uh, I'd have to double check that at the break, what, what the dosage is on that. But two per day from our supply uh, will give you enough pantothenic acid to reduce uric acid levels. Now, that's another little detail I wasn't able to get uh, from the caller just because I didn't have enough time to ask her. But if uric acid levels are high in the blood for you, then pantothenic acid becomes the option we give. If my memory serves me right, it would be a 500 milligram dose per tablet on the pantothenic acid. And so usually we use two per day as the treatment dose for an adult patient with gout. And this is usually not a problem that develops in pediatric patients. So we don't have to worry about converting dosages for body weight. But uh, for gout for an adult patient, one or two tablets daily for treatment, and then uh, typically one tablet per day as a maintenance load. And, And that may be something they do ongoing to prevent a recurrence of gout. Because if you've ever had gout and you successfully can treat it, you really don't want it to come back because it's very painful. Um, and it certainly does affect the joint of the big toe, but we can develop gouty arthritis changes in knees, ankles, fingers. It is commonly thought of to affect the big toe, but that is just one place that it commonly occurs. Then we had another caller that uh, Angel was able to take for me during the break, and she wanted to ask about bursitis in the knee and what kind of options we might have there. Now, Bursitis in the knee can kind of be a little caveat under a couple of different names. And there's a clinical diagnostic term called a Baker's cyst that also develops more typically behind the knee. So that's the uh, popliteal fossa, that that anatomical space right behind the knee. So if you're sitting down right now and you just put your hand right behind your knee and you start to rub that area, you can generally feel uh, a pretty firm muscle in that area that's The popliteus muscle, its function is to keep us standing upright. When we're standing, talking to someone or watching a basketball game or doing whatever we're doing in a standing position, if that muscle is not firing properly, we could fall down because it serves the purpose of locking that knee in place while we stand upright. And, uh, the goal and the function and purpose of that muscle is to keep us standing properly. But if there's bursitis in that area, there becomes an inflammatory process could be in the front of the knee where the bursa sac is underneath the kneecap, or even in that Baker cyst common region back behind the knee. So on the other side of the break, now I'm going to come back and give you some treatment options there for bursitis of the knee. And then I know we have a couple of other callers online. So if you guys can hang on for a minute for me, um, Angel wants me to take a break here right at this time. And we'll come back on the other side of the break. We'll talk more about treatment options for bursitis, as well as take another couple of callers. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290 News 95.7 WHIO.
1: It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
0: Hey, we are rolling again. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer behind the microphone today. Uh, Just to finish up, uh, uh, Angel shared with me uh, another caller called in and suggested another treatment for gout, and that is true. That dark, or excuse me, tart cherry juice tart cherry juice which you can actually buy at the health food store in, in a liquid form or even in a capsule form is also another good natural option for gout i like to use the pantothenic acid because there's no trouble with increasing sugar content in the body and a lot of times a uh, gout is occurring in a patient that has diabetes or some other complicating factors where we wouldn't want to artificially elevate their sugars any further than they're already dealing with. Now, need to quickly finish uh, the topic of bursitis that we were uh, leaving off with on the other side of the break. For treatment there, curcumin complex would probably be my go-to. Uh, it's a great natural anti-inflammatory. There are over 200 natural compounds in curcumin complex that could be of huge benefit to the body. Of those 200, we only have scientific research and understanding on about 18 to 20 of those 200. So we continue to learn more and more about curcumin complexes' benefit. Uh, but a dosage of about six to eight tablets daily uh, for most adult patients with bursitis that'll get you up in the in the range of about 1,500 milligrams of, of ginger, turmeric, curcumin. Um, those are all in our compound that we use, um, and that would be an excellent treatment for bursitis. Now, there are other things that could be done there. Testing to figure out what the inflammatory levels look like, Uh, maybe even high uric acid levels common in this bursitis patient, a tendency towards gout. This may not be bursitis in the knee at all. It it could be bursitis and gout. It could be just bursitis. It could be just gout. It could be a combination of several things. Um, So some of the time, the testing, the x-raying, the physical examination, those are all key pieces and elements uh, to really figure out what's going on. Uh, we're going to take a caller here. Uh, we're going to click over to Paul. Paul, you're on with Dr. Dyer. How can I help you?
1: Well, good morning, Dr. Good, Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, my issue is my wife in August broke her bone in her neck. Okay. And she's wearing a collar now. And they could, they say it could take over a year for this to self-heal because of our age, um, like 85. Okay. Uh, they don't want to do surgery. Sure. It's too risky. Sure. But anyway, my daughter recently bought me an article, and it said strong bones need silica. I wonder what your opinion about silica is.
0: Yeah, great question. So silica is a really interesting little nutrient. It's a... It's often used in some of the vitamin preparations as an anti-caking agent. So it's it's an additive that's put into some of our vitamin and minerals. And we, and we do have some of that in, in some of the vitamins we carry. It's, it's an inevitable form of the process that they go through to make a vitamin into the actual capsular form, to put it into a tablet. They have to use silica as an anti-caking agent. That's not always a bad thing. Um, and you can't always get around that. But as part of the standard treatment that I would offer for somebody with a, a fracture in their neck, it's, it's, in my opinion, maybe not so much the silica that's necessary as it would be making sure we have a balanced intake of calcium. Now, not all calcium is created equally. So I'm going to give you four letters that go after calcium that I want you to write down because you'll need to read further on this topic. And those letters are M is in Mary, C is in Charlie, H is in Harry and C is in Charlie. So MCHC. That's okay. the that's the four-letter acronym that goes after calcium. And the reason this is the most important thing for a fracture in the, in the skeleton anywhere, whether it's the neck, the back, the wrist, the ankle, the knee, wherever there's a break, that MCHC is the form of calcium that tests as the number one most bioavailable, meaning the human body does the best job at absorbing that type of calcium to help heal and repair bony issues. Whether it's a fracture, hairline fracture, green stick fracture, you name the type of fracture, that particular version of calcium is gonna be the most important type to put somebody on if they're trying to heal a fracture. Now, calcium is not the only thing we're gonna need. We're going to need to balance that with magnesium as well. And I'll give you the dosage for calcium just as a very average uh, adult would need. It would be 1,000 milligrams daily. That's two tablets from us, MCHC. We have this in our office. You can find it at the health food store too. But that 1,000 milligrams of calcium then needs to get balanced with about 400 milligrams of magnesium daily. The particular form of magnesium I like to use the most in this situation has malic acid in it so our our version at the office is called Magmalic, malic m-a-l-i-c now you can find that form in health food stores too but that magnesium needs to be taken at about 400 milligrams daily to help the calcium be better absorbed not only in the gut but from the gut then get to the bony areas that that the injury needs to be healed and repaired from so calcium and magnesium are the first two then vitamin d3 has to be another essential component of that treatment plan for a fracture in the neck. D3 uh, at about five to even ten thousand international units daily. Now I say five to ten thousand. That's a range, uh, and usually we would have the benefit of some testing data in front of us to really set that dosage appropriately, but. Uh, For your wife, even regardless of if she's on medications for certain things or not, those three nutrients are, in my opinion, the most important for helping to heal a broken bone. Okay. Hey, Paul, thanks for your call today.
1: That's very good good information. Thanks very
0: much, doctor. I appreciate it. You bet. Have a great day, okay? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, We are going to go next to our, our next caller named Ryan. Ryan, how can we help you this morning?
1: Hey, Dr. Dyer, I appreciate you taking my call, man. You bet. Uh, Great job on the show. I really appreciate everything. Hey, I have a question. I was recently put on uh, some uh, cholesterol medicine for bad cholesterol. Okay. And um, I'm middle-aged. I I don't eat particularly well. I don't exercise a lot. Um, But I was wondering, you know, I don't want to be on this medicine forever. Is there... um, other things I could do, maybe to, to to lower
0: my my cholesterol overall and get off this medic. Medication, or yeah, you bet, absolutely. Great question. I Really appreciate the call, and what a thoughtful question that is. You know, and it, and it it will take some time to to see the numbers change if we if we use a natural approach. Um, but there are some great options out there, and probably where I would begin with you is with two significant things. I, I say significant because they could get you off this medicine in in the long run. One to be an omega three fish oil, and it, it might not be just that we give you five hundred milligrams of this particular fish oil and, and call it good. And everything goes back to normal. But 500, even up to 1,000 milligrams a day of omega 3 fish oils will be a huge game changer in this cholesterol reduction plan that you want to be on and and certainly as you touched on at the beginning of the call you said you know you don't eat particularly well you don't exercise enough those are also two key elements of making sure cholesterol is well regulated and there are more and and I've even heard it said and, and seen it written on other doctors' websites where we, we are so ingrained to think that cholesterol is the main issue going on in the body that we kind of neglect looking to other places that might be in charge of what the cholesterol output really is. So maybe it's not just a problem of cholesterol that your body's making too much or accumulating too much of it, but maybe the issue is uh, thyroid function isn't quite good enough to help control the proper regulation of cholesterol. Maybe it's uh, there's too much sugar in the diet or in the body unregulated and that's causing a buildup of some of these bad cholesterols. And, and even to think that cholesterol is bad is another commonly ingrained thought from our from our medical mainstream media, and that is we're just trained to think that cholesterol is always bad. And in a complete and proper discussion about cholesterol, we, we, I think we also have to know and understand that cholesterol is needed For bodily heal and repair, so to help heal and repair nerve roots, cellular damage, keep hormone levels in check, uh, for men, testosterone, for for females, estrogen, progesterone, we need to have cholesterol to help regulate some of these other key functions. Even energy is, uh, the requirement to have good energy in the body requires proper cholesterol balance. So... It takes a more global look, and and fish oil may not be just the one answer that we need to to get the the drug out of there, but that's a starting point. There are two key others, a nutrient called niacin, N-A-I-C-I-N. It's a B vitamin, B3, Uh and this nutrient, when taken can have a little side effect to it. And that is it can produce a flushing sensation in the body. So it can make the skin a little hot, a little red. So after you take niacin, you might wait 5 or 10, 15, 20 minutes even to make sure there's not going to be a reddening of the face. That's a common, common side effect of niacin. Some people get it, some don't, but it's not an emergency need. Like you don't have to go to urgent care with this problem. You don't have to go to the emergency room with this problem, but that is another really great nutrient for helping get cholesterol back down. Um, so couple of those key strategies put into place, probably going to need 30 to 60 days at least on those nutrients before testing the cholesterol panel again uh, to okay. see what kind of impact could be made there.
1: Uh, awesome. Hey, thanks so much for taking my call.
0: You bet. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Appreciate it. You have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Oh, Awesome. Fun. It's great. I I love that part of the show, being able to just talk to people about some of the problems they're dealing with and and give them some really some simple strategies. So as Dr. Merkel says, he he usually recommends you take two weeks to try a safe, healthy, natural option, because within that span of time, maybe we're not already getting you to a point where you could consider coming off some of the medications you may be on for that issue. But it's more a product of Give it a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months to really see if we can get the body healthier. And that's just it. I mean, with cholesterol, it is so ingrained in our thought process in in this current society that cholesterol is always bad. And we talk about uh, cholesterol that comes in from foods. The most common culprit uh, that we're trained to avoid here would be the red meat and the eggs. Really, in my opinion... Most of those foods are not going to be the real crux of the issue on a cholesterol-rising problem in the blood, but sugar is the bigger culprit, in my opinion. Now, sugar, red meat, eggs, sure, do they have the stuff in them to make cholesterol? Yes, they contain dietary cholesterol. That doesn't always equate to just raising blood levels of cholesterol. I was averaging an intake at one point over the summer months of about four to six eggs daily just in different foods that I was eating throughout the day I might start my day with a couple eggs and then maybe some on my salad at lunch and then maybe even a couple more at dinner so there were many days in a row where I ate three four five six eggs a day and my total cholesterol never went above 170 now, Sure. Are there some genetic components there? Yeah, probably there are. Um, neither my mom or dad are on cholesterol-lowering drugs, so that's, that's nice to know. Uh, but I do a lot of exercising. Uh, I run a lot, I hike a lot, walk and carry my clubs on the golf course, and I know there's a debate about if golfers are athletes. I'm not trying to solve that dilemma today, but if you hike 18 mile, or 18 holes with your bag on your back, you average about six to eight miles of walking uh, in about a four-hour time period, and on a 90-degree day in Dayton, Ohio, that's a long walk, and you need to replenish your fluids, certainly, but... There are those aspects to an active lifestyle that also help to regulate cholesterol levels. Now, another nutrient I could have suggested for Ryan would have been garlic. And it's tough, right? In live radio, somebody asks you, well, what do you do for this? And things start popping into your head. And then when you have a minute to think about it, you might come up with some other options. And so garlic would be another good natural option for helping to control and regulate cholesterol. Now, if we had the benefit of of Ryan's cholesterol panel right in front of us, we could take a look and see, you know, what is the total number of cholesterol? That's our starting point. But then what do the triglycerides look like? Uh, if we know and understand what Ryan told us about his diet, he doesn't eat particularly well, and he doesn't exercise enough, that triglyceride count is probably on the higher side of normal too. And I say probably because I don't have the numbers in front of me. But we know that sugar intake from the diet directly equates to rising triglyceride levels. Maybe even more so than it contributes to some of the other cholesterol molecules, the triglycerides are particularly sensitive to sugar intake, which is why when you go to the blood lab to test these values, you really have to do it under a fasting condition in the body to get a more accurate number or get a more accurate data point. Because if you go in having eaten within the last several hours, those triglyceride and cholesterol numbers are going to be different than what they would be in a fasting state. It's also not that uncommon that even if you test that panel of cholesterol, triglycerides, HDL, LDL, VLDL cholesterols, you could test those two weeks in a row and see slightly different data points there, even within a couple of weeks. That's also not that uncommon. Now, we don't often get the benefit of testing people that quickly, but I've seen several that have come in with a test, maybe a week or two old, and then we order another one just to make sure that, that things are as, as they seemed the first time. And we do see a little difference there. Um, So interesting stuff. I I know we have to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to try to dive into osteoporosis. So thanks for hanging in there on that topic. You're listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290, News 95.7, WHIO.
1: It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
0: Beautiful. We are back just for the last few minutes here. Had another great caller just here at the break that um, I didn't want to come on air, but it was, it was fantastic. I got to uh, reach out to her real quick. And she is also one that is having a borderline cholesterol value and several cholesterol values that are borderline. And we didn't get to, again, go into all the details about the nuts and bolts there, where her numbers are. But she also told me that because of thyroid testing through her medical doctor, they've identified a slightly elevated TSH level. Now, I could do an entire show on this topic. And the topic is, if you only know your TSH level, you don't know anything about thyroid function. And here's why I say that. TSH stands for thyroid-stimulating hormone, and it comes from the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland releases that hormone to the rest of the body, and yes, it does help govern thyroid function. What it does is it turns the switch either on, off, or keeps it in the middle for production of T4. So when they test you medically for TSH level, if it comes back a little bit out of range, either a little high or a little low, then the lab will almost automatically run that next T4 level. And the reason they do that is to help identify whether or not the thyroid is truly out of balance. They do that because in their expertise and with what they have to offer, they can give a drug to help put more T4 in the body. That drug is often called Synthroid Levothyroxine. It has several other names depending upon what company makes it. And the reason they give that drug is because it'll elevate T4 levels in the blood. With that elevated T4 level in the blood, your body then needs to convert a good majority of that T4 into the useful and usable hormone for thyroid called T3 and it is unless we look at specifically TSH T4 T3 uptake, and then some of the free hormones, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, uh, thyroglobulin antibodies, uh, thyroperoxidase antibodies. There are so many thyroid tests that need to be explored to answer the question, what's going on with the thyroid, and then how is that either directly or indirectly affecting my cholesterol. So I don't have a nutrient solution for this patient right off the bat because the testing is necessary. And that's how we began the show. I'm sorry I ran out of time on the osteoporosis topic, but we will begin there in 2023. When I'm back behind this microphone, that'll be the first topic we hit. I'm so glad you got to join me this morning. I had fun, Angel's a great producer. We're gonna take our break for the rest of this year. And Dr. Merck will probably be with you next week. You've listened this morning to Take-Two Healthcare, Your Guide to Better Living, hosted by Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290, News 95.7, WHIO.
1: It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.